0: Amen. Turn in your Bible. Let's see. Before you do that, hey, where's Michael Barrow? Michael, where are you? Got baptized. Now let's give Michael a big hand. God bless you, Michael. Amen. Love you, buddy. I prayed over Michael today. We agreed together that he, that, uh, where's Jeremy? Jeremy's somewhere. Jeremy, where are you? DeVillia? Is he in the house this morning? Right, stand up. Stand up, Jeremy. Jeremy, there he is. Hey, friends bring friends to church. Real friends bring their friends to church. And I prayed over Michael that he he would influence his friends. And more, that's the way it works. Amen. God bless you, Michael. Praying for you, brother. Amen. Give him one more little God bless you. Amen. Now my turn. Turn in the Bible, in your Bible, to Acts chapter 2. Not only is it Memorial Day weekend and we... We, uh, we sadly release many of our friends and family to be with friends and family uh, during the holiday weekend. We understand that, and so uh, we're glad you're here today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it. Tell somebody, I'm glad you made it today. I really am. I'm glad you made it. But today is not only Memorial Day weekend. It's Pentecost Sunday. You couldn't quite tell. That was some fake Pentecostals in the house. I said it's Pentecost Sunday. Amen, and there's a lot to say about Pentecost Sunday, and I'm going to share some things with you. I'm going to help you understand Pentecost in just a little bit. Uh, But it certainly fits within our series, uh, Doomsday Preppers, Preparing Your Life and Family for the End of Days. And you'll see that uh, in just a few moments. Now, I wish I could go back and share with you all the different things we've talked about uh, in the last. This is number nine. I think it's the ninth in a Sunday morning series about preparing your Life and family for the end of days, and so uh, there 's been a lot to say, and I would encourage you, I would behoove you, uh, another King James word, I would beseech you. Uh, I would uh, anybody else think up another name? I would ask you to go back and, and get on our website. Many of these are video, you can watch them by way of video if you so desire. Uh, uh, I think all of them. I would encourage you to go back and catch up in fact. Uh, how many of you do, ever do any podcasting? You ever, you ever listen to podcasts? Uh, come on, young preppies. Where's the podcasters? Lord, let me see your hand. Okay. I, the, you can podcast these things in audio. And, and so they're on iTunes. I would encourage you to just catch up and, and just realize that, hey, Jesus Christ wants us to be ready for his soon coming return. Look at your no, other neighbor and say, Jesus is coming back again. He really is. I said, Jesus is coming back again, and we need to be ready for His return. Uh, we've talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit in our life in this series, but because it's Pentecost Sunday, I want to just really kind of uh, go in depth and, and just allow you an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit come upon you anew and afresh. How many of you could use a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life? I believe that's possible for us today. Acts chapter 2, if you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor. Acts chapter 2, let me read a few verses. It says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit." And began to speak with other tongues, as the spirit gave them utterance. Now you know that uh, as that happened, uh, the, the, the declaration and the experience of Pentecost began to out pardon me, bleed out into the public square. So much so that a great crowd gathered and Peter gets up and he preaches the first Pentecostal message. And you know there must have been quite a few folks there because 3,000 plus people got born again that day. How many of you know that's a great start to the local church? Amen. And so we see two things about it. I want you to understand the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. Number one, mark the birthday of the church. Everybody say happy birthday church. It marked the birthday of the church. And so today we celebrate the birthday of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout all the earth. And so you may or may not have realized that, uh, but it's the birthday of the church. But also, not only does the Pentecost Sunday mark the birthday of the church, Pentecost Sunday marks the beginning of the end. Now that, you've got to realize that. You're, Happy birthday, now you're telling me it's the beginning of the end. Well, what did Peter do when he got up to preach there on Pentecost Sunday? He turned to Joel chapter 2, and he quoted Joel 2, where it says this, In the last days, somebody say in the last days. In the last days I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall do what? Prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, In verse eighteen, and on my men servants and my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. He's talking about the end of days, so you need to realize that Pentecost marks the beginning of the end. We're living in the last days. How many of you knew that? This is the last days. The, the birth of the church also gave birth to what is called the last days. In other words the church was born for this. Amen. You do realize we were born to walk through and to make our greatest impact uh, for the kingdom's sake uh, as the church. The church is God's idea. God came and on Pentecost Sunday empowered the church. For a kingdom purpose. And so this morning, I want to help you understand Pentecost just a little bit. Uh, The first thing I want you to see is that Pentecost was a promise from God. God promised us that he would come by way of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus promised this. If you're in Acts chapter 1, look in verse 4 and 5. The resurrected Christ. It says, being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? Somebody say the promise of the Father. See, God had a plan all along that when Jesus was to ascend to heaven, and by the way, in verse 12, uh, verse uh, 10 and 11, 19 and 11, he ascends into heaven. But He had told His disciples even before that He wouldn't leave them comfortless, that He would send them, He promised them another comforter, another helper, and that is the Holy Spirit. You see, by way of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God can empower the church around the, around the world and not just through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ while He was on planet Earth. It's a promise from God. He said that you would receive or wait for the promise of the father and he said you have heard from me for john truly baptized with water but you shall be what baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now and so it's a promise from god how many of you want all the promises of god you know we want the promise of protection Uh, i want the promise of the power of the holy spirit and his presence in my life he promised us and he wants us to be filled with the holy spirit The thing I want you to see next, just a little insight, the place of Pentecost. He promised us a Pentecostal experience, but the place. He said, hey, don't leave Jerusalem. Go to Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. Jerusalem is significant and oh I wish we had time we could do a study on Jerusalem it has great significance let me walk through through the kind of the history of Jerusalem did you know Jerusalem is the place where Abraham offered up or was willing to offer up his son Isaac to God and what did God do with Abraham when he willingly was uh, uh, about to lay his son on the altar he laid his son on the altar of sacrifice and was about to take his own son's life by the directive of God what did God do He provided a ram. He provided a sacrifice. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. That's that's where Jerusalem began. And so even prior to that, we see a picture. How many of you know Abraham and Isaac? That's a picture of the sacrificial lamb that is about to come. And his name is what? Jesus, it happened in Jerusalem. And so we, we know Jerusalem is significant. It's the place where God's plan to redeem the world began to unfold. It's the birthplace of Christianity. In fact, did you know Jesus said, he said, listen, I'm about to die. You can read it in Mark. In fact, the last chapter of Mark, pardon me, the last chapter of Luke. He said, I'm about to die, be buried, and rise again. And he said, preach the gospel and begin in Jerusalem. It's It's the birthplace of Christianity. It's where Jesus died for us. Somebody say amen. He died for us and he was buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later he did what? He Rose from the, get, from the dead, just like he said. It all happened in Jerusalem. And then we see here in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 1, it's the place where he, he ascended into heaven. Acts chapter 1, read it. He ascended into heaven and the angel said, why are you guys gazing into heaven? This same Jesus that ascended will return in like manner. Look at your neighbor and the other neighbor and say, Jesus is coming back again. He really is. And Jerusalem has great significance. It's the place where the church was born. It's the place where Pentecost Sunday happened and the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out and God's plan began to be revealed. And He revealed that His plan to save the world from their sins was to be be imparted uh, and delivered through the church that was to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then one last thing that hasn't happened. It's the place where Jesus will come again. Did you know, hey, read Zechariah, I think it's 14, the first few verses there. It's a prophetic insight to the return of Jesus Christ, to the Mount of Olives. Did you know he's going to come and sit down on the Mount of Olives? And the Bible says it's going to split in two, and he's going to walk. Anybody been to Jerusalem? Anybody been to Jerusalem? How many? Uh, plagues from, from Israel. Plague where you from? What? He was born in Nazareth. We have a Nazarene here today. <laughs> hey, And the Bible says Jesus is going to come. If you've been to Jerusalem, you know there's a, there's a gate facing the Mount of Olives. And it's called the Gate Beautiful, I believe. Is that right? The Gate Beautiful? You've got to remember these things. The Gate Beautiful. And I've been there. And it's sealed up. You can't go through. But the Bible says when Jesus comes back into into Jerusalem, the mountains going to split to the north and the south, and he's going to walk right through. And I don't know what's going to happen to that gate, but he's going to walk through that gate. And forevermore, King of kings and Lord of lords. That all happened and will happen in Jerusalem. We need to embrace that, really. You need to understand Jesus is coming back again. And we've looked through this uh, series just place after place after place, especially in the New Testament, but we see prophetic insight of His return that Jesus is coming back again. Did you know planet Earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere? It really is. And so, to understand Pentecost, you need to understand not only that it's a promise and that there's a place where Jesus will come back again. It's where He birthed the church and where He's coming back again is in Jerusalem. But then we look at the plan of Pentecost. What was this all about? What's the plan? God had a plan. Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see the plan is this. He said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, look at it. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be, you'll receive what? Somebody say power. Come on, say it out loud, power. You'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The plan of God is for the Holy Spirit to come upon the church. That includes you and me. So we can be empowered to fulfill the plan of God. And that plan of God is to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's so the world can be saved. Amen. In fact, the the last part of the, the prophetic uh, uh, declaration from Joel chapter 2 in verse 21, it says, It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. You see, Pentecost is for the purpose of people being saved. You say, well, I got saved before I got Pentecost. But the reason you got Pentecost is so others can be saved. That's the reason God wants to fill us all and baptize us all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Is for the purpose of people being born again and the plan of God to begin to be unfolded before our midst. In fact, verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, we see it unfolding. He says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, this is Peter's coming to the climax of his message, let all the house of Israel know that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the plan of God. In fact, Jesus... If you go back to Matthew 24, remember Matthew 24, we've been there, we camped out there. Matthew 24 and 25, it's Jesus talking to his disciples after they asked three key questions because he had prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem. They said, when will these things be? Most people, that's what they want to know. When you start talking about Jesus coming back, well, when's it going to happen? He said, I'm not going to tell you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not going to tell us. I mean, you know, if you knew the day, you would just sit around and wait and then repent right before that day, right? He said, I'm not going to tell you that. In fact, in in Acts, he says that again. Acts chapter 1, he says it. He said, they said, when's it going to happen? He said, it's not for you to know the seasons or the times. It's not for you to know the time. I'm not going to answer that. But they ask him another question. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And he begins to tell them all these wonderful insights. And he tells them, hey, the reason for this is so the gospel of the kingdom can be preached. In fact, he says in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Everyone say in all the world. How many of you know he loves the whole world? He said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and then the end will come. You need to understand the plan of God is for the world to be saved. God loves everybody. How many of you know He loves the whole world? He loves you today. He loves you enough to die for you and pay a great price. That was the plan of God. He did His part. He came to planet earth and He lived a sinless life and He died a sinless death. To pay for the sins of all humanity. But then he rose again the third day. So we could have new life. And then he ascended to the Father. And he told the the disciples there that day. He says don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. And everybody say the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the plan of God for Pentecost. You see, Pentecostal experience is not just to give me the joy, joy, joy in my soul. Sadly, that's where a lot of people stop. They get the joy, they get the goosebump, they get the experience, and they never let the plan begin to unfold before them. And that is to God, for God to use us to win people to Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about this. Let me help you understand Pentecost a little more. Uh, not only the plan of Pentecost, but let's talk about the people of Pentecost. Who is this for? Well, Acts chapter 2, we just read it to, uh, for you. Uh, certainly it was for the New Testament church there as the church was born on Pentecost Sunday. They all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But If you looked on into the book of Acts, you'd find in Acts chapter 8, in Samaria, in Samaria they received the baptism and the infilling and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of interesting. What did did Jesus say in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? You'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and somebody say Samaria. And then the uttermost parts of the earth. I believe that God specifically spoke about Samaria because how many of you realize Samaritans were like the outcasts to the Jews? It's like the nobodies of the world. And how many of you know Jesus in that? I think it's, oh, um, John 4. He must needs go through Samaria. You know what that tells me? God loves everybody. He wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what others think of you. Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in His sight. And so, the people of Pentecost were not only the Jews there in in, in pardon me in Acts chapter two, but we see the Samaritans that they began to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and then. Acts chapter 9, Paul the Apostle, or Saul, who was later called Paul, he was a persecutor of the church. He he believed he was serving God by killing Christians. Have you ever, have you heard that in the news lately? I said, have you heard that in the news lately? Did you know we're modern day witnesses of last days, prophetic fulfillment? And Paul was a persecutor of the church was in hearty approval of the of the uh, the killing of Christians. And you know the story how God smote Paul and how he he eventually there in Acts chapter 9 was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he writes later, hey I, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. He got it. Everybody say he got it. And then Acts chapter 10 and this is interestingly enough seven years after Pentecost Acts chapter 10 is seven years after Pentecost, and we see the Gentiles being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit I would encourage you to read Acts 9 and 10 it's a great story of God's supernatural uh, uh, work in the lives of his people in the lives of Peter and in in the life of a guy named Cornelius who was a devout man who prayed to God always but he was not a Jew he was not officially in the family and read that story it's a dynamic story of how the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles any Gentiles in the house today I'm a Gentile anybody want to know what a Gentile is everybody that's not a Jew and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles. In fact, I think it was Beverly and I've been to Israel two or three times. I've been to Caesarea by the sea. I stood within 200 yards or so of where the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles. And Peter's preaching, he's, he's so enamored with the fact that God. in fact, he had to have a vision from God to uh, to, to go to these Gentiles and preach to them. He had a vision and a dream and, 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 and so So he's there under the directive of the Holy Spirit, and in the middle of his message, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and they began to be be filled with the Holy Spirit. Interrupted the preacher's message. That's okay with me if you want to do that today. Because that means you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So so we see the Gentiles being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, And then if you go all the way over to Acts 19, you may or may not realize it, but in Ephesus. Twenty-four years after Pentecost Sunday, the church in Ephesus, it says that they didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. In fact, if I had time, I'd go. There's two or three of these places, I think, in Samaria and and Ephesians, when they heard that revival was breaking out, they sent uh, the apostles to go and make sure that that they got the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. In fact, Paul asked the Ephesians in Acts 19, you can read it later. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we don't know what you're talking about. And he prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. So let me say this about the people of Pentecost. That's everybody. Every believer, that is that every person who confesses the name of Jesus should have a Pentecostal experience. You should be baptized in the Holy Ghost and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, here's what Peter said there in Acts chapter 2 when he's preaching. He said this promise is not only for you but for your children and your children's children. How many of you know our kids need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Our grandchildren need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You think, hey, they need to be saved, amen. But you get them saved and then get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Mom and Daddy, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The last thing you and I need is children who don't have all they need to face the trouble and the trauma of these last days. That's why we see the disciples going to these different places. When they heard that people were being born again in Samaria, they sent disciples and here was the commission. You go make sure they get full of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. It doesn't matter how prim and proper we can be. Without the power, we're in serious trouble. And the world is in serious trouble. We need a new generation of Pentecostal preachers and kids and people who are full of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not speaking of just a, you know, we all have this mindset, the charismaniac type mindset. I'm talking about people who are full of the Holy Ghost who cause the devil to tremble because they've got the power of the Holy Spirit operating in their life. Amen. So the people of Pentecost is everybody who's been born again. And then, of course, I mentioned we need to understand the power of Pentecost. You see, we can't accomplish God's kingdom purpose without the power. That's why he said don't leave home without it. Just stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. You see, we see today where we preach a thousand messages and two or three or four get saved. Man, on Pentecost, they got full of the Holy Spirit. One message, 3,000 plus people were born again. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the power behind God's plan. The power of the the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is essential to fulfill the plan of God. That's why Jesus said, He said, you get this. Don't go before you get this. We saw some graduates from high school. I'm not sure of their plans for college or not, but let me just throw this out, parents. College is the greatest fall-away rate of any kids you will have. Any age group you want to throw out, it's college-age kids. They get to colleges that that have a secular mindset and undermine in many ways and the pressures and the, and the temptations of being your own person overwhelm them and, and college-age young people fall away at a drastic rate. Listen, parents. They need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And you need to watch after them and pray for them and make them come home as often as they can or make them get in a... Hey, and you say, make them? Yeah, I can't make them. Well, yeah, you can. You can. Come on now. We can encourage them. You're going to be in church. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you say, you can't make them be full of the Holy Spirit. No, but you can get them in the atmosphere. The Holy Ghost can get a hold of them. Whoo! Look at them like Peter and Paul. looked at these, uh, these people in these churches. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You're about, hey, don't let them go off to college without being full of the Holy Ghost. Don't, hey, on every angle Hey, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life Not just to survive, but to thrive Amen And then, of course, there's the product of Pentecost Let me just tell you it this way There's always evidence When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, there's always evidence I've heard people say, well, I think I'm full of the Holy Spirit that's kind of like saying, I think I'm a Christian. I think I am. I'm not sure. Hey, when you get the, the every instance in all five examples that I went through with you in Jerusalem, Samaria, with Paul the Apostle, with the Gentiles, and with the Ephesians, in every instance in the book of Acts where people were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, there was always evidence. In fact, there's one, I think it's the Samaritans. When they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there was a guy named Simon the sorcerer who, who had gotten saved. But the Bible says when he saw through the laying on of hands people received the Holy Spirit, he tried to buy that power with money. He got rebuked uh, seriously about it, but he saw something. Listen, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will know it. There will be evidence. And so we need to realize that. Let me just throw some out for you today. Let me just give you some, some insight about this evidence that needs to be operational in all of our lives. Number one, there will be impartation. How many of you know it's called gifts? It's Not stuff you earn. It's gifts. You've heard of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There'll be gifts. There'll be, and we don't have time to go into all of that. But hey, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, God gifts you. He graces you by the power of the Holy Spirit with with, with, uh, uh, graces and giftings in your life to help you fulfill His kingdom purpose. Amen. And of course, everybody thinks of the one that we see in Acts chapter 2. Uh, they, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Man, I'm telling you, speaking in tongues is not just for, for the charismaniacs. Paul the Apostle said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. But let me just say, there will be an impartation. And we need all that God can give us. And my, my experience with God is if I hunger after something, He's going to give it to me. If I hunger after the things of God, He's going to give me the things of God. He said, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be satisfied. There will be impartation. Just giftings. God come and impart something to you. Whew. I wish I had the power of impartation. And in some ways, I guess I, I do, but listen, the Holy Spirit wants to impart to you whatever is necessary for you to fulfill His kingdom purpose. The second thing that I see when you begin to look at the power of Pentecost, not only from Scripture, from, a his, from even a historical perspective, not only is there impartation, but there's jubilation. Everybody go, hallelujah. In fact, Acts chapter 2, what did sec, the secular, even the religious world hear? Acts chapter 2 verse 11, they heard them glorifying God and speaking of the wonderful works of God in their own language. There was jubilation. Somebody say jubilation. In fact, Acts chapter 13 verse 52, let me show this to you quickly. It says this concerning the church. Acts 13 verse 52, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Everyone say joy and the Holy Spirit. It comes hand in hand. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit any religiosity falls off of you. The, 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 the The religious mindsets fall off of you and you just get happy. How many of you could, hey, how many of you know the whole world needs a good dose of happy? I've seen some people that would call themselves Pentecostal, but yet you wouldn't know it by the frown on their face. Somehow they thought looking serious meant they were spiritual. When in reality, they look like what? They've been baptized in pickle juice. That's not the Holy Spirit, by the way. I've seen people that you would think they're, they're, they get like they're, oh, I want to say something I shouldn't say. What would you say? Don't say it? Oh, okay. <laughs> they look like they're having issues. I'll say it that way. I'll move on. You know what I'm talking about. And that makes the world go, ooh, if that's Pentecostal, I don't want any part of it. But let me tell you something the whole world wants a good dose of joy. They've been, they've been toking and smoking and dipping and drinking, trying to find a little ounce of happiness in their life to no avail. When all along the Holy Ghost came upon the church to show them where true joy and happiness comes from. Everybody go, ha, 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 ha. She got it. Y'all just faking it. You can fake it till you make it. Everybody go, ha, 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 ha. I'm happy. Amen. Let me ask you this question and I'll move on. How many of you, when you got filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit, the spirit of depression came upon you? How many of you, when you got baptized filled with the Holy Spirit, something rose up on the inside? And the joy of the Lord began to roll out of you, and the jubilation, and the praise, and the glory of God. How many of you can say, That's what happened to me? Whew, that's what happened to me. Whew. Hey, listen, there's always evidence. And if you got a depressed spirit, the Holy Spirit's not in charge. If you struggle all the time with sadness and sorrow and and, and and issues, and you got a furrowed brow, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life. It brings impartation, jubilation. And I love this one liberation. Everybody say glory, hallelujah. There's a liberty that comes when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17, it says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Liberty, And we find the church all, all hung up in so many different ways and, and trying to figure out how to shake loose from this and shake loose from that. Jesus said, I came that you might have freedom and liberty and he will bring liberty. And he said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, where that spirit is, there will be liberty. How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you struggle with things that bind you from time to time? Come on. Hey, the Holy Spirit will set you free. I'm not joking you. You get full of the Holy Spirit and you'll begin to shake. Those things will just begin to fall off of you. Think of Peter. Peter went from a fearful person to a faith-filled person. Peter went from a denier to a declarer. He was transformed and changed and liberated by the power of the Holy Spirit and that leads me to the, uh, the fourth insight and product of Pentecost or evidence it's not only liberation but transformation and all of us need some things to change in our lives and listen God loves you enough to keep you from being the same he doesn't want you to stay the same look at your neighbors and say, God doesn't want you to stay the way you are he wants you to be transformed. That, that passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And then verse 18, he says this, We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Somebody say transformed. From glory to glory. That means level to level. As by or by way of the Holy Spirit in our life. Listen, the Holy Spirit will change your life. We try to change things. You can't change you. You You might change the way you dress. You might change the way you talk. You might change the way you act for a season. But understand something. True transformation. That word transformed or changed is where we get the the word metamorphosis. We we are transformed from a ooey-gooey little squirmy little worm into the beautiful creation that God has for us. That's the picture. He said when we get a hold of Him, when we behold Him, Him. We see Him. We have an experience with Him. The Holy Spirit will come upon us and begin to transform our lives from level to level to level. If you're happy with who you are right now, shame on you. We need to be more like Christ. How does that happen? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. There's always evidence. And then finally, The last thought that certainly lines up with everything else I've said today. The evidence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that of declaration. When, When the Holy Spirit came upon the church, what do we find Peter doing? He's declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they got full of the Holy Spirit, the words began to flow. The Word of God began to come. The Gospel began to be preached. I think of Stephen in Acts 6 and 7, the first recorded martyr after the church was born. Stephen, a leader in the church, a servant in the church, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he began to speak the Word of God. Paul the Apostle, it says, when he was full of the Holy Spirit, he began to speak the Word of God. Listen, if you struggle with being able to to declare the Gospel, you need a fresh dose of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's always evidence. The power of the Holy Spirit. Today's Pentecost Sunday. It's the birthday of the church. It's also the beginning of the end. Meaning we don't know how much time we have left on planet Earth to fulfill His kingdom purpose. And I would encourage you today, uh, and as Paul and as Peter and as the, as the leaders of the church would come into these cities and in these villages and in these communities and say, have you, heard, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Have you got the power to fulfill God's kingdom purpose? That's my question for you today if you do not even respond today to, to this opportunity in this moment in these next couple of moments and you walk out of here I pray you would be hounded by this question have I been filled with the Holy Spirit have I been empowered by God to fulfill His kingdom purpose have I been baptized in the Holy Spirit because the original disciples and apostles wanted to make sure the church Jesus wanted to make sure the church was full of the Holy Spirit let's stand together Let's take a few moments. Let's allow the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I'm going to ask you in these next few moments, listen, hey, your your cookout is pretty much soaked, so hang, that's okay. But the fire of the Lord Jesus Christ is available for us today. And we're going to pray that God would fill us with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray that God would pour out His Spirit upon us. You know what is your pastor? I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit every day of my life. You see, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we need to keep getting filled day by day afresh and anew with the power and the presence of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we prepare our hearts today, if you are not a Christian, you can be born again. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can be born again. And as these, as these that heard on Pentecost Sunday, they were saved. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I just don't know if I know Him. I don't know if I belong to Him. I don't know if I've been born again. If that's you today, I want to pray for you before we do anything else. If you've never been born again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to know for sure that I belong to Jesus. Anyone here, lift your hand and just wave it at me. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Anyone? Finally, all of us need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, hey, you know what we need? A fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what you need? You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples that that he loved there in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He said, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And I want to declare to you that God wants to baptize us all in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Pentecost Sunday. What a great day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's just invite Him here with us today. As our worship team leads us today, let's just stir up in our hearts a receptivity to the things of God, a receptivity to the power of the Holy Spirit and the flow of the Spirit in our hearts. Spirit, you are you. welcome here. Yes, you are, Lord.
1: Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. But our hearts long for to be old.
0: God we ask you to fill us afresh we ask you to baptize us in the Holy Spirit we yield ourselves to the presence of God here. as we continue to worship the Lord here's how we're going to finish out this service I see Trent and Angela here Jim and Trish are here my wife is here there's something on the inside of you and something says I just need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit we're going to dismiss in just a moment but if you'd like to take a little extended altar time we're going to have a little extended altar time for you to come and just kneel and just receive more of what God has for you We're going to sing this song one more time and then we're going to dismiss. But as we sing this song and something on the inside of you is hungry for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you as we sing just to come. You can stand, you can kneel, you can lift your hands however you want to. Our our team will be here and some of our leaders will be here just praying for you and asking the Holy Spirit to make Himself manifest in your life in a new and a fresh way. And I believe today many of you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll just come in hunger and thirst after Him, and say, "Lord, I want all You have for me. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the flow of God in my life. I don't want to be—I don't want to miss anything that You have for me." There's some people here today you've not been happy in years. You struggle with being happy and joyful. You battle inner demons. Listen, God wants to deliver you from those things. He wants to fill you with His presence and fill you with the Holy Spirit. There's some here today that, that struggle with the transforming power of God in their life. You can't get past the past. You can't get over some of the issues. Listen, the Holy Spirit will change your life. He came to transform us and bring us to level to level. Some of you have been stuck in your spiritual journey. Listen, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Teenagers, children, young people, adults, grandmas, grandpa. This is not an old man's religion. This is the body of Christ. This is not a Pentecostalism denominational thing. This is the Bible. This is the this is Pentecost at any cost. And so today, when we began to sing, let me just say: if you need to go, you can go. But if there's something on the inside of you that says, I just want more of him in my life, I'm going to ask you to just begin to make your way as we sing again. And the rest of you can, hey, no condemnation, you can slip out. I understand it's 12 o'clock, it's the holidays. Uh, I'm not going to think any less of you, but we want to give opportunity for those who may want more of God. As soon as we begin to sing, you come this way and you'll be dismissed. Let's sing it together. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Spirit, you
1: are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory.